And a very good evening to everyone and welcome to Crowcast Weekend Wrap for this week. Another sad and sorry state of affairs for the Adelaide Crows, unfortunately. Um, but uh, there'll be plenty of talk uh, in the chat for those that have stayed up a little bit later um, to join us. And uh, I'm, welcome, I'm welcoming and uh, joined by Macca. How are you going, Macca? Uh, about the same as you, mate. <laughs> and Nikki, how are you going? Is it really bad that I'd much rather be writing a uni assignment right now? Oh, bad, yes, understandable, yes. <laughs> and uh, welcome to uh, those in the chat that have joined us uh, at this later hour. Apologies for the later time, but it's a bit beyond our control when uh, when the AFL decide to schedule a 4.10 Saturday, uh, Sunday afternoon game. Anyway, let's not uh, be too down in the mouth uh Today, but let's start off with looking at the scores for the weekend's round. And Friday night, what an extravaganza Friday night was, guys. Sydney Carlton at the SCG. <laughs> does anyone I, I, did, did anyone watch it and does anyone remember it? Well, I didn't. I went, I no. went, to, I went and saw Spam a lot and uh, I, <laughs> I, I pissed myself laughing at that. They had a very good evening. <laughs> was that a Monty Python thing, is it? Yep, it's a uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. But it was a send-up of that even. It was just very, very well done and very funny and I enjoyed the evening. Wow, there yeah, it's you a go. Mus- musical version of the Holy Grail. Yep. Um, nah, yeah. I think I think Titus O'Reilly had an absolute brilliant tweet during that game, which was he wanted to know if any of us actually find the Channel Seven commentary team as um, funny as they all seem to think each other are. Oh no, it's <laughs> it, it it actually turns me off watching games that don't involve the Crows, to be honest with you, because I can't stand the drivel. Yeah, spot on. It's a it's a mess, but anyway. Uh, let's not dwell on that. Uh, Sydney, obviously, 91-61 to 61 over Carlton on uh, Friday night. Hooray. Uh, Saturday, we had uh, Melbourne giving the Bulldogs a bit of a shellacking, 100-51, uh, and, uh, you know, irrespective of our personal feelings on how last year went down, uh, commiserations, obviously, to Jake Lever for doing an ACL that's been confirmed today. A uh, bit of bad news for the lad. Yeah, and you, you don't wish those injuries on anybody. Uh, doesn't matter what team they play for. You don't mind them getting a knock on the head and uh, perhaps going <laughs> off for. A, no, I mean it's not not bad, but you know, but just actually, you know, Macker, a knock on the head's probably worse. Yeah, I'm just talking about a gentle tap so they don't play, play against you for the rest of the game, <laughs> Nikki. But uh, but you don't want them out permanently. That's what I'm getting at. Maybe a twisted ankle, then, Nikki, if you're happy. Yeah, twisted ankle. <laughs> yeah, no bad um, news. Probably gives a good indication of why Jake was so keen to take the money. Well, he's got the money. Yep. It'll be actually interesting to see what his uh, contract negotiations were as to how much of that he'll actually get. That could that could impact uh, quite uh, not so well on uh, Melbourne's bottom line. Yeah. Well, I doubt whether he would have gone over there if there was any sort of injury clause. Uh, just anyway, on, sorry. Go I was on. Say, just on the match itself. Um, I was so delighted when the Hawthorne Port one started because it was a terrible game to watch. The Bulldogs are crap. They're yep. an utter crap. And um, 
somehow, I don't know how, um, from being premiers two uh, years ago, Luke Beveridge seems to somehow have lost this group um, because um, I'm sure he's not telling them to play like this, that they're, they're playing very, very ordinary football. I think my own impression is that Beveridge was a very emotive coach, so he certainly... Um, Developed a bit of a siege mentality that year um, for the Bulldogs. A bit of us against them. A bit of history making is very, you know, arms around his players and all that sort of guy, uh, all, all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, you've got to be able to coach and you've got to be able to make moves. You've got to be able to make decisions. You've got to be able to implement, um, you know, resilient game plans. And I don't know whether he cuts it. They, they yeah, do. Well, they do well to keep him on and uh, stick a nice strategic coach underneath him to. Uh, to get some sort of system going, because at the moment it just seems like they're just running on on instincts, and and there doesn't seem to be any discernible pattern to their play, really. I think what it's what it's showing is how much those senior players controlled that game on the field, and with the loss of Murphy, etc., that's really impacted. Yeah, I think it's a good point, Nick. It is uh, a good point. Uh, Port and Hawthorne fought out a very entertaining game down at Utah's in Tasmania. Uh, Hawthorne getting the chocolates in the end uh, with, I'm going to say, a couple of dubious Matthew Nichols contributions to the end there. Freaking <laughs> Hawthorne was that, was oh that in play? God. Was it? I mean, I think I think the um, the rush behind was probably there, but Jared Rufford's high tackle uh, to seal the deal. Um, he's burrowed in there, and Matthew Nichols couldn't get that whistle to his mouth quick enough. Hawthorne 64 to Port 61 in the end. I would think Port have every right to feel very hard done by. Um, and, you know, I think you meant you highlighted one of the incidents, and I thought there were quite a few of them. But uh, I thought that there's no doubt that Port were the better team on the day in, in many respects except one, and that is disposal. Their disposal is below AFL standard, in my opinion. And the Hawks, with lesser ability, um, their uh, disposal is very, very good, and I think that was the difference between the two teams, plus umpire Nichols. Yeah, it was interesting to see how Thorne played Port. They really played a, a stop-start kind of game, but in the end, as uh, someone says in the chat quite rightly, P- PJ Crowe says uh, F Port, so <laughs> yep, absolutely. Next. Um, oh, well, just on that day. though. If you keep five goals in the first quarter and then four for the rest of the game, yeah, it's a bit of a problem. Yeah, well, Hawthorne just started playing keepers off after that. Um, yep. Geelong gave Gold Coast a good old-fashioned shellacking. I think Gold Coast are cooked, and uh, even having the bye, I think that, that that first block of games has really cooked their season. The AFL have really sacrificed the Gold Coast Suns this year, um, and Geelong making short work of them, 121-36 to 36 down at Metricon. Uh, they're not going to draw too many crowds if they're uh, kicking six goals in a game. Yeah, well, uh, you're, you're quite right. That I did watch quite a bit. It was te- terrible to watch, actually. Yeah. Um, West Coast and St Kilda, I didn't see it, but it, uh, I think St Kilda, by all reports, were in the game for a reasonable amount of time before West Coast got over the top 101 to 88. No. Other way around. Yeah, parents, parents watched this one. West Coast kind of built, built. St Kilda just kind of kept in touch, kept in touch. And then the last quarter, they really put a whole lot of pressure on. Was it six goals, I think, Macca? It was six. And, that, and they had absolute chances to, like, win it. 
But once again, their field kicking let them down. Yeah, they had a do- very, very dominant last quarter, St Kilda. Um, it, 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 the game seemed to be just meandering along to a, a very, very comfortable West Coast Eagles uh, win. Uh, Jack Darling uh, went down and it looked very serious when he went down originally, but it looks like it may be nothing more than a severely sprained ankle, and I hope that is the case. Um, then after that, uh, their attack was not as potent, and uh, St Kilda got on top in the last quarter and uh, dominated towards the end of the game. And I, I think another 10 minutes of that game, they might, might have well got up. But uh, uh, a good, a good, very good effort by St Kilda, anyhow. Yeah, yeah. Um, Saturday evening also we had Richmond and Essendon playing the Dreamtime game. Uh, Richmond winning convincingly in the end, 114 to Essendon 43. But I don't know about you lot, but to me, Essendon aren't that far away. They just need an avenue to goal. I, I've, I felt like their general field play was was pretty reasonable, um, but I think they, they lack a couple of pillars, one at either end. Yeah, um, I saw some of that game, and uh, you're quite right. They, um, um, they, they, they are lacking up, up forward. Uh, Joe Danner, is, is he out omitted at the moment, is he? Groin injuries. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because they certainly miss his, his height up there in the in the goal square. Um, Which is but, it's very interesting about groin injuries because for a while there that the OP the dreaded OP was gone for a while and now it seems to be back in vogue. Well, it does. Well, certainly in our club it does. Um, yeah. We'll talk about it that a little bit more in a minute. Uh, we had North and Brisbane uh, at Etihad today. North Melbourne continuing their good form, one forty-one to eighty-seven. Brisbane uh, couldn't really go with them, although they still made a good account of themselves. Dane Beams had a good game um, by reports, and uh, um, you know I still am a little bit bullish over Brisbane over the next couple of years. I think they're a team on the improve, but North certainly going well. well I saw that game. Um... Why was Charlie in a moon boot? Baby pun. Apparently, Charlie was in a moon boot. Yeah, no, Charlie, I'm not sure. It, yeah, Charlie injured his leg, and I don't know what he's actually done to his leg, but it's the bottom part of his leg and uh, his foot. His foot, and uh, he was in a moon boot uh, for the last quarter and a bit. Um, so uh, he's definitely going to be out for a few weeks, you'd think, if that's going to be the case. But um, again, North Melbourne were going to win by a lot more, and Brisbane got a few goals towards the end, Dane Beams in particular. Um, not much of a game other than the fact that North Melbourne were far too good. Yeah. Um, Collingwood today, uh, too good for Fremantle at the G, 138-77. to 77. Collingwood making a mockery of, our mockery of Peter J on Tuesday Night Live and his early, predi- early season predictions uh, comfortably in the eight at the moment. Um, and Fremantle just going, I think. Uh, yep, and uh, Fife was tagged and had he to me he didn't play a very good game at all in my opinion and uh, he should be there's a very good chance he could be outed he he did uh, give somebody a nice elbow to the head mm. um uh, they, they did show other ones that have got off with a with a fine and it's pretty similar to those so it's a bit of a touch and go whether um Fife, who is one of the Brownlow Medal favorites will get uh, time or whether he'll just get a fine 
Yeah, he's uh, surrounded by a, a vanilla midfield at Fremantle at the moment, um, and Collingwood, you know, arguably one of the better midfields in the comp, so uh, not surprising he got blanketed. Well, that's exactly right, yes. Yeah. So, and then, of course, we had this evening's game, or this afternoon's game, which we'll talk about momentarily, but the latter as it stands after round uh, 11. Uh, we have West Coast on top, uh, 133%. We have Richmond... Clear second, uh, Melbourne and Sydney uh, third. Um, then we have a, a game to Geelong, North Melbourne and Collingwood. And then uh, three teams on 24 points, Port in the eight, Adelaide and Hawthorne just out of the eight. Uh, that game next week against Hawthorne becomes pretty big, guys, or the week after, I should say. Um, GWS uh, riding the ship a little bit today uh, also on or just uh, two points back on 22 then Essendon, Fremantle and Western Bulldogs on 16 points Gold Coast on 12 points St Kilda on 6 and Brisbane and Carlton on 4 points so well the interesting thing is that when you look at it um, they normally say that about this stage of the season that the 8's almost settled but Far from that, I think there's probably at least ten chances for that for those number for those eight positions. Because although we are in a in a poor position, we're in down to ninth. Um, we're two games behind. I think it's the third team. Um, so and there's still half a season to go. So uh, on form, I, I can't see us making great inroads until we get some decent players back. Um, and uh, also a bit of form back as well. But uh, at this stage, as I say, there's 10, there's 10 teams vying for eight spots. All right, well, uh, let's get into it and uh, talk about the Crows v Giants, shall we? Get ugly. That's ugly. Getting uglier for Adelaide, guys. Getting uglier, uh, unfortunately. And uh, I did actually think this would be the case. A lot of people tipped Adelaide to bounce back, but it's not easy to get come back off a 91-point uh, defeat. Um, and notwithstanding the fact we were at home against a similarly struggling GWS, um, we always knew that if they brought their best, they'd be hard to beat with our current squad. And that was the case, GWS getting up 14 goals, 13.97 to Adelaide, 11 goals, 15.81, a margin of 16 points. Go your hardest, people. Well, uh, I'm just having sort of a, an online conversation with PJ Crozier. He is of the same opinion as me that the, uh, the move from uh, Miller to the forward line and McKay going back to half-back in his place was a... Uh, almost a match-losing move in, in our opinion um, because Miller, when he was in the back lines, was distributing the ball quite well to the forward lines because he is a thinker and he's got skill. McKay just charges uh, blindly down the field. And I just think that also Miller doesn't go... He never goes quite as well in the forward line because you've got to, he's not facing running in the same direction. Um, he's got to you get it, twist, turn, etc. Um, and he's also got some people just... He's got somebody who pays a lot more attention to him rather than the other way around. So I thought that was 
uh, a very, very poor coaching move. And had a, and had a big effect on the game, I thought. Nikki, you're very quiet. What do you reckon? Um, I actually didn't mind it so much, Macca, because being at the ground and seeing he was actually – that was one of his better forward um, games I've actually seen him play, and he was attacking the ball quite well. Uh, we were using him the high half forward because we were lacking that extra – um, one down there, and he's got some speed. That's what our team just severely lacks at the moment is speed. Um, well, we, and we, I didn't, I didn't mind him so much in the forward line, Macca. Yeah, but you're missing the point: the, the yeah. distribution to the forward line. Yeah, oh, that, it was Rob Peter to pay Paul, and I, I don't. Uh, I think Miller had played pretty well, yeah, the, but uh, it yeah, does the, the so distribution much to the forward back. line was just shocking from almost everyone. I, I think I can highlight out, like, Eddie's pass to Fogarty was just superb. But almost every other entry we got into our forward line was just shit. That is my whole point, yeah, though, Nicky. That, that's the point. Miller, but, it's not, but, it's not just, but it's not just the McKay and Miller, which is what you were highlighting. It was but all it was of a, them. But that one stood out because Miller, I thought, had a, he had a good game. And I thought his he first half in particular, he, when he had the ball, and when he when he distributed the ball, he's got quality in in the way he distributes it. Miller and Miller has had a, a fantastic start to the season, running off halfback. He had, and That's it just whole... seemed to me that he'd found his niche running at the ball, and um, you know, not having to turn and and uh, just being able to use his foot skills and his speed. And I just felt like, given our defense is just full of lockdown players and and plotters and and you know, exactly. Exactly, you know the yeah. one the one bloke. You know they'll say that D Mac can do that, but he really doesn't do it um, to the same effectiveness as Wayne's been doing it. And the one bloke that can do it, and we took him out of there. Yep. And and the other big difference in the, between the two the two teams was um, the fact in the forward line. I thought JJ actually tried very very hard, but he can't clunk those overhead marks. Whereas uh, the um, not CW. when he's being held on to, even before the ball gets anywhere near there. Well, I don't. I think we do it down the other end as well, though, Nicky. And um, oh no, Macca, Daniel Talia does like, it all the time. He's, <laughs> he's he's clever about it, though. He does. Uh, See, but he does it still. <laughs> he does it still. He does like, no, because he lets go. It's that body contact. No. He has the arms around, but he doesn't grab yes, as does. much as what they were doing. Uh, it, what they got away with in the first quarter, and they did it for the rest of the game, it was just shocking. There should have been at least three fifty meters you, paid you, during this game. You, oh, you understand that it the freeze the freeze were were twenty seven thirteen. Matter. Oh, come on, Nikki. No, that doesn't matter. No, that shouldn't be even if one team is continually stepping up. Like Patton goes over the mark every single time, never gets called back. Um, they were the hanging on. Um, the Shaw always grabs at the legs to trip a player over as they mark, so they fall down, so they can't get up. We can't get the run and play going on. That should be a 50. Um, there's all those kind of little things that they're allowed to get away with. There were so many throws. It was just shocking, absolutely shocking umpiring. And we played shit. We played shit, but you still actually want those umpires to umpire correctly. Yeah, I certainly wasn't blaming the umpires. Um, <laughs> I think it was more the fact that, but I was making the point, 
Cameron and uh, Himmelberg, uh, they they clunked a few marks up forward. We we just couldn't uh, clunk them like like they could. Uh, well, Fogarty, uh, he did a couple, and uh, that, that one goal he kicked, that was phenomenal in the last quarter, in a pressure goal like that, and just showed just how good this boy is eventually going to be is he, when he develops into a man. At this stage, he's really still a boy at 18, and uh, he's going to be one hell of a player when he when he matures to whatever level he's going to be, which I think is going to be super level. But um, as we are today... We, we just didn't have anybody who could just take advantage of those attacks that we had. No, we were very ineffective. Let's run through some head-to-head stats and see whether we can make some sense of the rubbish. Um, 377 to 364 disposals. Disposals were quite even. Um, both teams went uh, at a similar kick-to-handball ratio. Um, 65 marks to 70. Um, let me just have a look at the marks inside. 56 to 10 in GWS's favour. Uh, tackles yeah. 96 to 75, and and that was one key difference. GWS, particularly in the first quarter when they had 30 odd tackles to eight or something, really showed their intent. And uh, it's the first time really that I, for quite some time anyway that I think we've seen a GWS side prepared to get their hands dirty um and it rattled adelaide early on it really did um we we didn't cope with the pressure very well at all despite uh uh, being in front of quarter time i I felt like they just let the foot off the the throat there for a second gws and we got a couple of late ones but then uh by half time we were back down three goals um hit out go on sorry no you keep going all right, hit outs uh, forty eight to forty four, but I felt like we don't we don't have access to a, a effective hit out stat, but I felt like Source continually chucked it down GWS's throats, and I don't know whether it's Source's fault or whether it's the setup of and positioning of the of the players around the stoppage. Um, you know, we won clearances fifty two to forty. Um, where's our breakdown stoppage clearances we won 39 to 26 center clearances were even and yet it just seemed to me that the clearances that they got were far more effective than the ones that we got i will give you know, gibbs was our clearance king he um uh, he was very very good around the clearances um but they had uh can, can you, i don't know whether it's caniglio or coniglio both caniglio anyhow whichever way he likes it um he was outstanding in the first half. He, he is such a good footballer. He's tough. He's fast. He's clever. He's got a magnificent ability. And uh, although we were getting a lot of the taps, he he was the one in particular in the first half that was sharking him. And uh, until they put in um, Gibson onto him in the second half, and also they said he had a bit of concussion as well. Um, but... Uh, Look, he, he's a star, that boy, and he, he caused us a lot of pain in the first half. Most certainly. Uh, Freezers, I mentioned, um, we've got a ride. Go on, Nick. Just just on the, the midfield thing, so when Gibbs went bunter in that last quarter, we were starting him facing our forward line, starting him from that, that back area, and he's just running straight at the ball. And he went nuts, and they couldn't stop him. He was reading the taps beautifully. Um, they were being tapped at him beautifully. And then we changed up in the second half of the last quarter and had him facing defence and brought on Matt Crouch and put him in that position 
And what happened? GWS got a roll on. Mm. That was that was poor. We needed to keep Gibbs in that position. He is so much more proactive than Crouch is. Yeah, well, we can talk about uh, Scotty Camparelli at some point if you like, but I've been a, never been a fan. <laughs> um, look, what else have we got here? Our disposals per goal, uh, disposals per scoring shot were up around 14.5, uh, not as good in terms of conversion as we would have liked. Clearances we've gone through, uh, rebound 50s, 34 to 43. Uh, GWS really did get some bounce off their half back line and we struggled to uh, maintain possession in our forward half for long periods of the game. We actually won the inside 50s, 57 to 53, but it just shows uh, that we had no cohesion. Macca up forward, um, as you pointed out previously. Rafferty's rules it was. It was. It was a. It was an absolute mess. Uh, they don't know what they're doing. At, it. It seems like they don't know where to stand at the moment. I mean, yes, we've got a couple of keys out, and we're relying on a young kid who who did really well today in in Darcy Fogarty, um, and Jenkins who was hardly cited. Um, score involvements one hundred six and ninety eight. Um, meters gained six one to six four. Those sort of th- we turned the ball over a bit more than they did, um, and their tackles inside fifty fifteen to eight shows their intent in terms of the pressure. Look, as a general comment, I just felt like like we we we've become victim to our injuries to the extent now that. Um, you know, the next man up is no longer good enough simply because we're playing too many blokes out of positions or we're adjusting roles. Um, you know, Miller was one that we highlighted. I think D-Max played out of position. I think we got a couple of blokes who shouldn't be in the team at the moment who were there just because they need to be. Um, but, you know, uh, we, we got plenty of the ball. Uh, we just didn't use it very well, I didn't think. No, you're 100% right about that. Um, and particularly going into the forward lines, and um, it would have been a bit of being a bit of a nightmare being one of our forwards, although um, I, the way the game was played, and I, I just can't work out why always our forward line looked clogged and these looked open. and Because um, they had three extra players in it. Well, it worked. And that's when they do the run and gun. And because they've got those three extra players... We're just like, because we want to keep it free, we don't send other players in to man them up. It means you can get that outmatched or the that extra player running through because it's like, oh, hang on, who am I manning up on? You know, I've never seen a tactic where we don't man up uh, loose defenders work. Have you? Like Geelong have done it against us quite regularly. Hawthorne do it. Um, and they beat us. And they and beat us every time. Every time. I don't understand. I know it puts extra players around the around the contest, but if you allow free defenders in the back half and the ball gets turned over, as it probably will because they've got free defenders, then all of a sudden they've got outlets. And I just I've, I struggle to understand why we're so hesitant to man up the extras down back. You know, even if you end up having eighteen and one, like you just got to keep calling the bluff. In my opinion, doesn't make any yep. sense. I, I think our coaching staff uh, have got a lot to answer for today. In the sense that I thought, and if you have a look at the stats, the they are pretty similar all round. But it's what happened with those stats that is so vastly different. And I didn't, 
And I don't think our coaching staff got too many ticks for today. No, but I think, um, look, to be perfectly fair, I think there was a couple of howlers at selection. Um, I, I, you know, there's got to come a point where David McKay and Rory Atkins are held accountable. Um, oh, Rory Atkins, jeez. Like Rory, Rory Atkins uh, had a really bad game today. Um and he continues. Mm-hmm. He continues to pull out or not make an effort to reach contests. Um, and he's got to be held accountable. He's he, sh- he shouldn't be untouchable. And I understand that we're light on for numbers, but we've got a couple of blokes in the twos that probably deserve a crack. Paddy Wilson, Kirtley Hampton, both fit and firing in in the bees. They need to be played. And, and- we know Paddy Wilson has is. Strong at the contest. Yep. And I know oh. we need pace outside, and I know one of the criticisms of our current but setup Brett is... But doesn't have pace. Exactly. That's, that was going to be my point. He, he People assume because he's an outside player he's quick, but he's actually not. He takes those little shuffling steps, and he doesn't cover the ground to any great degree. And um, I, I, they need to hold him accountable. Um you know, and as I said, the same with David McKay. I mean, David McKay hasn't had a bad season this season, but it was pitiful today from David McKay. Well, <laughs> he was very ordinary, um, and as you said, he hasn't had a bad year. And the one thing I will say about David McKay, unlike Atkins, he's not a squib. No, he, but he hasn't. Unfortunately for David, he, he's limited with his ability. Um, it's just ineffective. Uh, one contested possession today in a highly contested game. Anyway, let's let's go through some individual stats and uh, we'll get to those blokes. Uh, Bryce Gibbs, thirty six touches uh, was was pretty outstanding. Twenty one kicks, fifteen yeah. handballs, particularly after half time and especially in the last quarter. I felt um, did his best to win the game for us. I mean, that, he really did bust his ass, and he's and it, I, I did comment to Mrs. Mack, you watch this guy, and and when he hasn't got a lot of pace, but he he has the ability to create time and space uh, without doing very much, and he's he's a very clever footballer. Yep. There um, were there were two instances though where he was very Carlton <laughs> that he waited for them to get the ball. One of them worked um, because he then tackled the player and held it up in her forward line. But there was another one. He you could see him. He actually punched his his hand afterwards. Like, damn it, I should have gone in. But it, it was very much that Carlton mindset of I have to wait for them to get the ball and then tackle them instead of just going in hard himself. But they were the only two. It was yeah. a much, much improved over the past couple of weeks of what we've got from Bryce. Well, I'll forgive him for that, Nicky. I thought um, overall his game was excellent. Yeah, he did. I mean, we called for a bit of a step up from Bryce last week. Uh, we felt that he was tailing off a bit. And I felt yep. like he was back to the player that we that we purchased. Um, yep. Five marks, nine tackles, um, four inside fifties, nine clearances, four rebound fifties, fifteen contested possessions. Um, def- uh, disposal efficiency a little bit low, but he was no orphan there, that's for sure. Um, six uh, stoppage clearances, uh, eight score involvements, five twenty-two meters gained. Um, pretty good uh, from Bryce today. Um, Matty Crouch also had 36, but uh, the opposite ratio, 13 kicks and 23 handballs. 
three marks, five tackles, three inside 57 clearances, uh, had 18 contested possessions, playing inside just under 64% disposal efficiency, um, five yeah. score involvements and six intercepts for 350 metres gained. I thought it was an almost game from Matty this week. Well, I was going to say it was a good game, but not a hurtful game. You know, he he didn't hurt the opposition a lot, uh, even, even with his number of possessions. But, um, look, he does go in and he, he reads the play well, he gets the ball well, but as I say, he didn't. I didn't think he hurt them a lot with what he did. Uh, and as Simon Moyle just put on the chat, he keeps handballing to a player less Tastory. than three metres from him. It's just two players far too close. Yep. If he was getting if he was getting the uh, handballs fired out to somebody like six, ten metres away that's out in the open, then they could just go, then they'd be good handballs. Um, yeah, I think well, we mentioned last week that uh, since he's come back, and I think uh, Mark Angus has also made this comment on the chat, he's gone back to how he was when he first started, um, and I think that's because he's, he's not quite right or he's still coming back from his injury and... He, he can't break free. He doesn't seem to have as much time and space with the ball, and uh, so he's he's not lifting the eyes. Yeah, and look, and stealing again. So what's written in the chat? I think PJ is quite right that he's aware of his hamstring, and um, he's had two this uh, season already. So he's just knocked over that extra little yard. So he's moving the ball on very quickly, which means why he's giving it to somebody so close all the time. Mm. Now, interesting that in that third quarter when we were pressuring and pressuring and pressuring and keeping it in our forward line, we were going man on man, we were turning the ball back over and we kept kicking it back in, back in, back in, and then we had an interchange rotation and Matt Crouch comes on and all of a sudden, bang, the pressure is gone that was there. It was from the midfield. That was just so obvious to me that it was that change. He just wasn't putting that pressure on, whereas the rest were working so hard. And as soon as you have that one link fall out of that type of chain, it just falls to water, and that's what happened. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's it, what's annoying me about him at the moment. Yeah, but is it, it's not Matt Crouch's style of play, Nicky, and given that he's had two hammies in four weeks after never having one in his life, yeah, I think it's a reasonable assumption uh to make that he's not quite right. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. what it means is if fault. you're going to, or if you're if you're organising those rotations, you can't have him Greenwood and Cam Ellis-Yelman on. They're not quick enough. No, I, and I was going to raise that at the end, and it's a really good point. Um, I think our our the balance in our midfield at the moment is all over the shop and it's it's just it's mud slow and they need to work on rotate like again we haven't seen a, a Miller or a Betts or a Rory Laird through there you know and at times uh, you know we had the three inside midfielders in the centre bounce and it just doesn't work we just we just don't have any spread too slow yeah, yeah. Uh, Lady 30 touches again 17 and 13 6 marks 3 tackles uh, 3 clearances oh. 6 rebound 50s 4 contested 14 sorry contested possessions uh, um, sorry 9 intercepts but also 9 turnovers um, again I thought Rory tried hard but as the game wore on I felt like he sort of fell out of it a little bit at least he, he, play, at least he gives an honest performance and they, oh, were tag- I, they were tagging him, which was kind of funny. And he had all the, were, like he was the leading possession winner after the first quarter. I'm like, yeah, that's working well, isn't it? 
Yeah. I mean, you're right, Macca. What he does give you is an honest performance every week, and that's all you can ask. Yep. Um, Sam Gibson, 25 touches, 14, 11, 5 marks, 3 tackles, 4 inside, 50s, 2 clearances, 10 contested, but only went at 56 disposal efficiency, and it was very, very noticeable. Uh, 6 score involvements, uh, 4 turnovers. I, I, I felt Sam was one of our biggest uh, culprits with regards to wasting possession. Well, I think that's yeah. true, uh, uh, because... Uh, I, I thought he actually played a good game. Apart from that, and that course, that does Mahi's game. Um, his job was to slow their midfield down, or in particular, Canilio. Um, and what well, he certainly, certainly did do that. And uh, in terms of disposal, no, he just well, he he had a reputation of being a poor disposer of the ball, so that hasn't changed. Now, just to, on your earlier point. Uh, Macca, where you said the the bad coaching move was McKay to the halfback line and Millera up forward. I stand by We've, that. It was actually Gibson to half forward line, or the no. halfback line. Yeah, no, no. he was he was playing off the halfback line. Um, he started on the he would come on and he was actually tagging somebody on their half forward line. So that's why we had Miller up forward. It's actually more that because we we played McKay and Millera off that halfback line. The change up. Was actually putting Gibson back there. Nope. We had to move somebody out, and we moved. We well, moved well, Miller up forward. Well, well, the coach agreed that he did it. Yeah, I don't Nicky. think you're right, Nick. You there, Nicky? Yeah, that's what I saw. I was at the game. We had well, a normal so backline so except Nicky. for Gibson. Well, congratulations, Nicky. None of us saw it, obviously. Or Pikey. <laughs> Well, why was he playing in the back lines? Because <laughs> Gibson was playing on the wing. You no, to... not, no, no, no. He wasn't at the start. He was playing off the half back line. Okay. That was when we weren't doing the cup, where we weren't having a. We had. Uh, when he came on, we had Seisman on one wing and Atkins on the other. He wasn't on a wing, he was on the half back line in the first half. We changed it up in the second half. Yeah, well, the point that was made was that Miller was wasted up forward, and I agree yes. with that. Irrespective, that wasn't the point. Um, Huey Greenwood uh, tried hard. I think nine kicks, eleven handballs for twenty, uh, three marks, seven tackles, four inside fifties, four clearances, uh, seventeen contested posies. Went at seventy percent, which is good for Hugh. Um, six score involvements, five intercepts. I, I just felt like another. Honest performance from Hugh, but uh, part of an imbalanced midfield, I think. Can't add any more to that. Yeah, yeah. You, he just needs to learn to keep between the two really big sticks. That'd be good. Yeah, that'd be nice. He started off all right when he first started. He was kicking goals. Yeah, they, they were a bit closer. I mean, admittedly, his his two tonight. There was a bit of pressure on um, one of them, and the second one was probably at. His yeah, just furthest his distance, and he, and he tried to keep it low. He, he did the right thing. It's just, yeah, just mm. a bit to the left side. Which, funny enough, whether you're a left footer, yeah. Uh, Richie Douglas, uh, nineteen touches, eleven and eight, uh, two goals, four, three tackles, seven inside fifties. Um, what else have we got? Eleven contested possessions. Only went at fifty-two and a half percent. Unfortunately for Richie, but thirteen score involvements. Um, Another, I just felt like 
Richie, over the last couple of weeks, is trying really hard, which you can't knock. Um, but he just seems to be unable to finish his work at the moment. Um, he's a bit of both. Uh, you're quite right. He, I think that you can't criticise his efforts. So efforts are, are very good. Results aren't always good. Um, and sometimes he kicks a magic one out of his backside. So, uh, yeah, as comments, Dougie was serviceable, and he certainly was. He kept us in it in that first quarter. Uh, he was the one who was just causing as much um, havoc as he could down there and, and a lot of that pressure. And him going off in that last quarter hurt us. It did, actually, Nicky. Yep. Um, Cam ellis Yolman, as I made the comment yesterday, I feel like he's just about run out of gas, um, probably gagging for that buy. Uh, 18 touches, 6 and 12 um, only the three tackles this week, eight clearances though, which is this go, obviously, 13 contested possessions, uh, 72% disposal efficiency, five stoppage and three centre clearances. But again, the knock I have on Cam, and I'm a fan, he doesn't get us anywhere. He Only 120 metres gained for the night. Um, as I said, I, he's trying really hard. I just feel like he's running out of gas. Well, there's one guy you never, ever criticise for lack of effort, but I didn't like his game. It was overall, he, as you said, it, it didn't achieve a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Agree. Yeah, that's how you saw it, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy today, I thought, uh, tried pretty hard, had the 18 touches, 9 and 9, uh, three tackles, uh, a couple of clearances, four rebound 50s, eight contested possessions, a little bit down on disposal efficiency but uh, 8 one percenters uh, gained 303 6 intercept possessions but 8 turnovers so... Yeah, he, sh- he should have had more intercepts, his timing was, for me this was a, a dude a bad game because mm. his timing was just that little bit off and he'd go for those marks and they'd just slip through his hands straight into Cameron's hand and kick a goal. Mm. Or straight into somebody else's hand and kick a goal. And it's just like, oh, yeah. Tommy's having a bad game. Yeah. It was going to happen at some stage. It certainly had did a very crucial one at a crucial stage. Mm. Wasn't our worst defender, I don't think. Now. Oh, his no. overall game wasn't too bad. Did we just... yeah. No, but, but that was a bad game for him. Yeah. But a, but a couple of serious errors. Yeah. Um. Now, I want your opinions on Paul Seedsman. Seven kicks, nine handballs for 16 possessions. Uh, kick two goals. Three and Two of him. Fi- Sorry? There were two of him. The first half and the second half. I haven't finished half- yet. Oi, just wait. <laughs> you know how this works? I go through it and then I ask you. I thought- I thought you no, I'm sorry, isn't this how this works that we just interrupt you? Oh, Jesus I thought that's how Christ. this works. No, I, here we go. Hang on a minute. Right, this is the Crowcast Weekend Wrap without uh, Macca and Nicky because I've just muted them. Now, Paul Seedsman, uh, two goals. He had two tackles, three inside 50s, three clearances, two rebound 50s, um, 11 contested possessions, went at 75%, only the 300 metres gained. And as I unmute my cohorts, what are your thoughts on Seed this week, guys? As I said, two of him. Uh, the, fir- the first <laughs> half, he was very, very good. First half, he was very, very good, I thought, and uh, very damaging. And the second half, he was just non-existent. Never saw him. Um, you know when he kicked that goal down the uh, northern end, mm. when he ran back? 
feeling he's going. Bingo. Bingo. You win the prize, Nikki. What did Nikki say? I didn't. I couldn't. His feeling is groin. Yeah. Ah. Take your finger off he's the still, he's, di- he's still actually did some good runs and a lot, uh, he did some good pressure and some chase downs, but he wasn't as proactive. He's not right. It was more the reactive runs that was going on. He's not right. I'm telling you right now, he's not right. In my opinion, is that that pelvic issue is back for seed. And I swear to God, if they run him into the ground like they've done Crouchy, we're going to be in a lot of strife. He spent a lot of time getting that injury right. Well, yeah. That, that bloody idiot, Bert, never... I heard it, he's now defending the pre-season, what we did with Crouch, Brad Crouch. Uh, you know, they said, do you think you maybe gave, gave him too much work? And this is probably... I'm relating this to Seedsman as well. Um, and Burton, again... No, we we think we got it, we did it just right, just right, and the guy gets. Oh, I am so sick of Burton. Mm. Yeah, uh, my I don't I don't have any mail on on seed, but my own eyes told me uh, that he's not right. Uh, Eddie Betts, uh, eight and seven for fifteen, took a mark, went flew for six hundred marks. Uh, Two goals, two for Eddie, uh, two goal assists, um, a clearance. Ten contested possessions, only went at 60%. Uh, ten score involvements. Um, two things I'd say about Eddie. Uh, he has got to stay down. He has got to stay down. He actually flew for a mark that cost us a goal um, because the ball rebounded uh, and it was because he didn't stay down to crumb the, to crumb the ball. Um, and secondly, he's got a straight line. The ball, he's he's missing too much because he's not concentrating. He's taking his eyes off the ball and he's not straight lining it. He's going with one hand and all the rest of it. it I know it's the way that Eddie operates, but when your touch is off, you've got to get back down to basics. And to me, even though he had a reasonable game last week against Melbourne, I just feel like his touch is off, and he's he's got to concentrate a bit more. I believe. I think you're right. Um, when you and when you aren't really firing at your very, very best, uh, then it, it is the, the thing to do is go back to the very basics of the game. And uh, he should be, front, you know, front and centre, uh, front and square, so he's uh, sharking the balls as it comes off hand. And uh, we certainly can't do that if you're flying in the air and off balance and crashing all over the place. It was really interesting. Um, it was kind of interesting, uh, just the contrast between the the Bulldogs game, and those goals he was kicking in in those conditions, and yet almost perfect conditions tonight, and they just weren't working for him. He got some he got some bloody horrendous bounces, um, which kind of doesn't help a little bit. Um, but I, I think you you're kind of spot on, Phoenix. He he did fly for somewhere. He should have stayed down. Um, and I don't know what was going on with him and um, Murphy. They weren't. I don't think there was as good cohesion um, well, as we've actually had with the other guys. Poor old Lockie's in and out of the team. He probably doesn't know where yeah. to stand. Well, it seemed yeah. to me that Lockie was working uh, much further up the ground than, and, than mm. Eddie was. Yeah, Eddie, he was. Eddie was around the goals and uh, Murph was running around somewhere between half forward and then the, the wing. Look, as for the rest... They're also dragging us up high. 
As for the rest, I thought Miller uh, did well in patches uh, when he was played correctly. 12 and 2 for 14, 6 marks, uh, 4 inside 50s, uh, 3 rebound 50s, uh, 6 contested possession, only 50%, pardon me, disposal efficiency, uh, 6 turnovers, but gained 377 um, metres. Oh, I just want him off half back. Uh, Josh Jenkins, I felt like. I feel like Jenkins is actually being set up to fail at the moment because our lack of marking power up forward just means that they just climb all over JJ at the moment. Um, but I don't think he does himself any favours sometimes. 10 and 3, uh, 6 marks, uh, three, 1 goal, 3, 5 tackles, 8 hitouts. Still really liked his physicality over yeah. this year. That's, yeah. That has gone up so much. And, and he was fighting so hard to keep that ball down there. And he, Even when it was in the midfield as well. Working hard as well. I mean, he was on the ground for 90% of the time. which So he's really only coming off for a spell after he, he uh, replaces Source for those yeah, few minutes. Yeah, which is so. why he would do the centre bounce and then Cam Ellis Yolman would do around the ground. Yeah. Because um, we, we knew we, he couldn't do it. But this rucking situation, and let's look at source, this rucking situation is, is now becoming an issue, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Because notwithstanding the hit-outs numbers, I just felt like Rory Lodd had Sam's measure um, for most of the game. Sam had 6 and 5 for 11. He had the 38 hit-outs, 3 tackles, 4 inside 50s, 5 clearances. Um, look, I just... I don't know. I just, like... The stats are pretty even, but the eye test told me that Source got handed another beating. Is that how you guys saw it? I, I had, look, he had some, uh, some moments, but overall, um, you know, Lob is, is really a make-do ruckman. Um, Lob is really basically a forward-line player that's been converted into a ruckman through through necessity. And, uh, if well, put this way, I thought this was uh, Source's week to dominate. And he didn't. So, um, and also, Lob always looked a little bit more dangerous because he's more, more mobile. So, uh, mm. yeah, yeah, unfortunately. It, it, was, it was Lob's work up forward because he is, as you just said, Macca, a forward. And he was getting away from Sam down there, and that's what was causing issues. Sam did, needed to be it, closer to him. It did cause issues, Nicky. You're quite right. And, uh, uh, he is becoming a bit of a problem. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, they haven't... We don't have anything to lose, I think, by giving the young bloke a go. Well, Don and his presser pre-game uh, was asked about Sam uh, and whether he needed a break, and his response was, no, Sam just needs to find some form. So... We'll send him back to the SANFL then. Well, that's what my reaction was. Nikki, isn't that what happens when people lose form when there's a ready-made replacement? Um, I don't know why he's still getting yeah. picked. Anyway, um, look... The, 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 other one, the other one who, unfortunately, I think also needs to be sent back is Kelly. As yeah. much as I love him yeah. the past couple of weeks, yeah, I think be. he needs to go back to the SNFL. Very average. Um, uh, no longer looks reliable, Um so, I, but the problem is, his replacement really is Cole Chaney, and I don't think Chaney's back yet, is he? Yeah, I think he's back on playing, isn't he? 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no idea. It's hard to bloody tell half the time. Um, look, Luke Brown was just a so-so sort of a game. Um, I thought Fogarty played well in parts. Obvious talent, as we've pointed out millions of times, but we certainly cannot uh, rely on an 18-year-old kid to be our linchpin up forward. Speaking of lynches, I thought Tom Lynch was almost <laughs> our worst today uh, from sure. the standing captain. This is this is a guy, Tom Lynch, who is renowned for running up and down the ground and being our link player and all the rest of it. Six kicks, four handballs for ten. Only took one mark for the game. Three tackles. Three contested possessions. Went at 50% disposal efficiency. Uh, only had three score involvements. Uh, only gained 156 metres. This is from the guy that runs the length of the ground uh, as our link player. And two turnovers. Uh, has he pulled the pin, or is he just out of touch? He's certainly out of touch. Um, I don't know about the first one, but um, you know. And then he you, got a whack in the ribs. Well, I was just going to say. And when he went off, I'm like, this actually might benefit us. Was that Douglas that hit him? No, I don't know. I haven't seen the contest, but um, towards I, I, the end of the third quarter. He yeah. goes off, and he was he was really struggling. It certainly was one of our own men that did it, um, and they got him just uh, well um, in the abdomen. They're saying, yeah, look, the, it was a calling, side. The club's calling it side strain. Mm. Side strain, my ass! He got a great big whack in there, and yeah, it's not a strain; it's an impact injury, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, um, Hardigan tried hard but didn't really have much impact. Lockie Murphy uh, flashes but didn't really have an impact. Uh, not that you'd expect f- much from uh, you know your five game player. So I mean, really, uh, as far as and I'm, oh, Talia uh, was Talia once again. So yeah, I was going to finish off with with Tales. Sorry, uh, I thought Talia battled hard. Um, did a lot of no tough good game by Tales. Uh, thought he actually took more than six marks. It looked like he took more than six marks. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I felt like Talia played pretty well. Although, you know, at the moment, the the, the, the the back six look like they've lost confidence in each other. And the front half... We're playing Talia play. high. Mm. We're playing him very high. And so he was on pattern. Yeah, and Hardigan and was, was on running, Cameron. Yeah, and Patton was running around all over the place. Mm. Yeah, but Patton runs to the wrong bloody spot, so... Mm. Well, they had Patton actually in, in defence at one stage. Um, yeah, I'd, our, our back six just looks stagnant. Uh, it lacks any sort of creativity. It's certainly not aggressive in, in our rebound. We just don't have the players at the moment that will rebound the ball off half-back. So our, our movement, you know, on the turnover doesn't... Uh, it's not as fluent and it doesn't... I doubt whether it would strike fear into the opposition. And our forward half just isn't an absolute mess. Um, just an absolute mess. There's not much more that can be said about that. We don't have a focal point. Uh, Josh Jenkins is not a focal point. He'll drag two or three players with him, but he's not going to He's not going to be the answer. And Darcy tries hard, but Darcy also plays fairly high and, um, you know, he's only a kid, so... I guess maybe we shouldn't bag Eddie for taking or trying to take hangers because he's apparently our key forward. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> yeah but pretty Pete, much. 
PJ does make a very good point about our defence in the sense that because the midfield uh, generally getting beaten, or you know, there's a few classy players in the opposition bringing the ball in, uh, they're getting put under a lot of pressure non-stop. So that's very eventually. true. And when you also consider then you, you get the uh, the coaches uh, moving players around at the same time, mm. well, it doesn't doesn't really help to have a coordinated backline. And, Nicky, can you confirm, because it looked to me on the TV that um, Cameron was trying to do very much what um, Goodwin did the week before. They were very lateral GWS. They were really trying to get to that uh, fat side of the ground and, and switch the ball around uh, to different lanes quite often. And it looked like they were really yeah. trying to uh, expose our inability to spread and cover the ground. Yep, spot on. And that third quarter when we were holding them up, that's what we did. We pressured them, we kept them, we controlled them into the one space where we and always had manned up that outlet. And once we swapped over our slower players, we could, then couldn't do it anymore. Um, so that's that's where our issue became. Um, it was also when they were doing quite well around the clearance, it was getting shield free. Um, mm. Every single time, God, he's a good player. Uh, he is. He's so good. I did quite like at one stage though they'd kept uh, one player at the back and they were always getting it. And I'm trying to remember who pointed it out, and I think it might have actually been Cam. And he's just like pointing at the others, going, "You need to go and stand there." And as soon as we did, we stopped that. Mm. Um, but you know, in a way, there's good that Cam did it, but it's poor that the other senior ones didn't notice it. Oh, hang on, cat fight going on next to me. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a point that Mac has raised in the past, and I think it's valid again this week, Macca, isn't it? The lack of leadership on the ground. Uh, who is the leader on the ground? Um, I mean, It's supposed uh, to be Lynch. It's supposed to be, there's none there. Um, Talia is doing his best from the back lines, but, um, and he's not officially a leader, but he, I think he shows at least some leadership. But around the ground, I don't see any leadership. I don't see any leadership up forward. Um, and we, the, the absence of Walker and Sloan is bigger than, than just their games. It's the, um, the impact they have on the other players in terms of both leadership and confidence. And at the moment, uh, it, that their loss is massive. Well, who would you say are the assertive players in our team? I mean, up forward, we don't have an assertive personality type, in my opinion. Uh, down back, you'd say that Talia is quite an assertive person. Also, I think Luke Brown is quite an assertive person. In the midfield, well, though, again, uh, we have players that play assertively, but their 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 demeanour and their personalities aren't. I don't think Huey Greenwood is an assertive guy. Um, you know, Richard Douglas, as a senior player, certainly isn't. I don't think Sauce is either. We have a no. lot of passive personality types. Um, and the blokes that do take the ball by the horns are currently sitting on the pine. Well, the most aggressive one there is probably uh, Greenwood, and but, but he's look, I mean, he's only really he's a, a kid player. Yeah, you, you can't make you can't put that on him. Um, in you know, See, uh, I, I just, do think that it is Cam and Greenwood in the midfield um, because we you actually had Cam doing a lot of leadership stuff when he was out with his knee. And you could, I could see um, just being at those SNFL games and him just yelling and being assertive and actually being quite proactive about it. Um, and that I've noticed that in little snippets um, this season that he's directing the others. 
Uh, yeah, but, you, but yeah, might, and that you, reflects poorly. That reflects poorly yeah, on does. those other senior players. Well, you know, and, and I'm not knocking Cam, but you know, he's marginal in the sense that if we had uh, all of our midfielders available, he might not be getting the game. So you, you can't have a bloke of that level as, as your leader. You, it's got to be somebody who's going to be a, uh, a regular and, and 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 also an example on the field as well. And there's there's not too many of them there. And you know, Lynch, for example, at the moment is a captain. Well, not non-existent, absolutely non-existent as a captain. Well, we, I mean, Bryce Gibbs is another one, uh, and and Bryce is another passive kind of guy. Um, but he he's a two hundred he gut. Pl- yeah, but he's a like these blokes have got to step up. You know, Bryce has got to step up. Um, you know, Sam Gibson is a, is a is a player with a lot of AFL experience. He's got to step up. Richie Douglas, you know, these blokes have to stand up. They are, they are the leaders on the field, and um, we've played like a, a rudderless ship since Tex gone down. Um, and I think it's indicative of how much influence and how much Tex holds that team together and, and holds structures together, and how he sees the game. Um, and we miss him terribly. We have absolutely no impetus on the ground whatsoever at the moment. Yep, totally agree with you. Totally agree. Well, let's go to our award, shall we? Because uh, I don't think we can talk any more about that without uh, without overdoing it. So, first oh, we of all, we'll talk Sorry. about who our best first year player was. Yeah, probably out of dude and uh, uh, maybe Miller. Probably out of those. Oh, and I guess the two lads in the middle. What do you reckon? I actually really like Fogg's performance. I mean, dude, I, I, for me, this was a bad game for him. I, I think his standard that he's been set at is quite high. And for, him, for me, this probably wasn't. Um, a great game from him. Um, Miller did some quite effective things, but as you said, his actual disposal efficiency was a bit down on what we would like it to be. I, to me, I just really liked what Fogg showed, and he just kept presenting and he kept working. Um, that's who I'd go with. Mac, I'm happy to reckon. Go. Yeah, I'm happy to go with Nicky on that one because uh, although. Uh, he didn't have a billion possessions of that. There was no doubt he worked his ass off, and he he's uh, he competed really, really uh, way above his years. I mean, he, he, I thought he was very good, actually. Yeah. Uh, look, I think you've made some good points. Uh, he's been asked to play a senior role in a in a depleted forward line, and I think he's doing the best he can for a, a young kid like that to be doing. What he's doing so early in his career, he deserves our breakout of the week award. Yep. Uh, Let's—I don't know whether it's even worth it, but uh, why don't we talk about our jet of the week award? Probably Brycey, I'd imagine. Uh, I thought Tiles played well. Uh, Douglas uh, Gibbs, tried hard. Yeah. Gibbs, uh, outstanding, he gets it. 
Um, yeah, to me, it would have been between Talia and Gibbs. I think Talia was consistent over the four quarters. Gibbs was a little bit in and out, but when he went bunter in that last quarter, that was just a joy to watch. Last half, Nicky, he, he had ten positions in the second, uh, third quarter as well. Yeah, but the but that real that that spark he did at that start of that last quarter was just so noticeable. He tried to get us over the line. Yeah. Now the next one, the Wake Up Award. I think there's going to be a few candidates, but first, <laughs> me and Nicky need a headbang for a second. Right, uh, continue. Do we have it? Well, it depends whether we have an exit award or not. <laughs> do we have an exit award? Oh, look, I mean, to me, the key players this week are Tom Lynch, Jake Kelly, Rory Atkins. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for me, actually, I think it's Lynchy. He's uh, captaining the team, and he's he he started off well. And then just, I don't know where he went. Well, Didn't really the, notice him out there. Given the fact that he was injured for half the game. Um, no. No, he was injured for a quarter and the last five, maybe five minutes of the third yeah, quarter. Yeah, he had 62% time on ground. Yeah, but he came back again after he was injured. For um, five seconds. No, I don't think he did. Yeah, he did for one for one possession and he came straight back oh, off again. He did. But, uh, look, yeah, I... I just hated Atkins' game so much that um, my vote would have been for him. But uh, it's hard to argue against Lynch either because Lynch well, look, was, was let's, supposed to be the captain and he was a very ordinary captain. Yeah, let's well, make no mis- let, let's make no mistake. This was a big game for Adelaide, coming yeah. off such a big loss um, oh, pivotal, with with top pivotal. eight top eight aspirations on the line, let alone top four. We're playing at home against a team who's been down for a month. We Never had to respond, team. and Tom Lynch was leading that side, and Tom Lynch had 10 touches. He's supposed to be the guy that that is our link man, our conduit from defence to attack, and uh, he had 10 possessions at 50%. So my vote and the casting vote goes to Tommy Lynch's <laughs> vote. He's pulling the cock, Wumble. I love living in a, in a democracy. <laughs> Nick, um, I actually need some nominations here because I've been out of the loop. Oh, uh, you want us to do your work for you now? I have. Well, I do because I have one of my, my second to last final uh, uni assignment due tomorrow. So I've been working on that one. After six fucking years, it's almost done. Um, so I just haven't seen anything um, all this week. And it was also probably because of the shit result that happened well, last Sunday. I've got, I've got uh, two nominations. Uh, our fitness department. For... Yeah, that was in the chat. That was the nomination from the chat. Well, it was one of mine also because they have wrecked our season, absolutely bloody wrecked our season. And it's very, and it's not inconceivable we could miss the finals altogether. And the irony is we thought when we got that uh, first round pick from Melbourne, they'll be down the bottom and we'll get very close uh, to the, you know, a very low, uh, uh, a very early pick uh, off of Melbourne. Could be the other way around. 
it could be Melbourne's could be the one that's way out there and ours could be the one right down there. So um, uh, fitness department, you deserve a massive kick up the arse. And Burton, you are stop getting on the get stop getting on the radio and saying that as far as you're concerned that that you that you did it right. You did not do it right, you stupid bastard. If you can't recognise it, <laughs> I am sick of him. I am so sick of him. Get him out of here. <laughs> Time out, I Macca. That sums it up. Time out, Macca. Macca's fired up. I am. You had a second one, didn't you? Yes. No, that was Burton. Burton got one on his own. Then the second one was that stupid bloody idiot. Uh, what's his bloody name? I'm after arguing back, Mrs. Mac. I'm so wound up about him. <laughs> <laughs> Dermot bloody Burton. He just kept carrying on about my about the bloody free kick count. When we when he's commentating when we are playing in Victoria and we're getting absolutely done like a bloody dinner with the bloody free kicks, we do not hear a effing word out of that stupid prick. But he was carrying on and on about the bloody free kicks and. They, the other pointed out, and um, he kept saying, when you come to this ground, you certainly don't buy it, you know, give it to the home team. And at least Rashido had the decency to say, well, there's a few grounds like that. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> but it went over shut him his, up quickly. But it, well, it went over his stupid head. He so up himself, <laughs> that bloke. He's, he's almost inside out. He's we, so we sacked his best mate, Erzy. And he used to coach GWS, and they're still his love child because he still right. goes up there and does special special coaching for the Macca. Yep, remember that. Remember that they're his boys. They're the AFL love child. Yeah, I, I'd like to nominate the Adelaide Football Club uh, in general uh, because a few things have happened over the last month. Um, Campbell Brown mentioned that Brad Crouch was going in for surgery and was going to be out for the season. Uh, there was a massive uproar, and as a consequence, uh, the club told all and sundry, including us, um, that a lot of the, what was going on in the media was a load of baloney. Um, and then, uh, thanks to one of our fine friends, uh, we got this on Tuesday night. Brad Crouch, um, and uh, again, uh, from uh, information gained from uh, somebody who has provided very good information uh, for us before. Brad Crouch won't play again this season. He's uh, can't run more than 50 metres without being sore. Uh, apparently the only reason he got through last season was because they tried some experimental injections to uh, ease the nerve pain, but he's worse than he was last season. He won't play again, and uh, that's uh, terrible news if true. And Now... But then on top of that, there's also the risk that he may not play again. Hang on, because... hang on, hang on, Macca. Brett Burton came out after the last uproar and said that he was offended by people questioning the club and uh, swore black and blue that Crouchy, you know, was on the mend and all the rest of it. And then two days after even little old Crowcast uh announce the news that Brad's going under the knife, we finally get, finally get an announcement from the club that Brad Crouch is, in fact, going under the knife. I've been told from a couple of people that Brad Crouch has already gone under the knife. I can't confirm that. But 
it's a massive cockwomble nomination for me to the Adelaide Football Club for treating us all like bloody idiots and putting themselves up as being unaccountable and untouchable. It's about time that Burton and Haas and Fagan and Rashido took responsibility for the mess that's going on down there this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that is my whole point. And we've, the, our club has always had a, a reasonably good credibility image, but at the moment we are the laughing stock in the, of the whole, the whole uh, AFL industry because everything we say is queried as being bullshit. Do you remember, Macca, that one of the reasons put up for us forming Crows Media was because we were getting an absolute pacing from the media and the Crows wanted to, in their words, control the message coming out of the club and to provide the members with accurate information. Correct. Now, I'm calling bullshit on that because what they've actually tried to do is manipulate everybody by only releasing information that they want to release. So we've gone back to this situation now where journalists across Australia know that there's stuff going on behind the scenes at Adelaide. They know that the messages coming out of Crow's media are either inaccurate, um, not complete, or just flat-out misinformation. So they're going to start digging again. Well, exactly. When you've got, when you've got somebody with the IQ of Campbell Brown announcing that uh, way before the club, when the club's still denying it, saying that Brown that uh, Crouch is going to have this operation and he won't be playing again this year, and the club's still denying it. Uh, and uh, then the next week he's on the show again and he repeats it again. And he proves to be right. And that when, means the club was just bullshitting and lying. When a freaking Neanderthal like Campbell Brown and, That's a, my point. and a piddly little podcast like Crowcast, notwithstanding we're the best hey, Crows... don't insult Neanderthals. We're, we're the best podcast uh, on the Adelaide Crows uh, going around... When, like, niche media outlets, if you want to call us that, can get access to this information, what the hell is going on at the club? Why why do they continue to want to treat us like idiots? We can see just with our naked eyes what's going on, but when it gets confirmed that the club is bullshitting to us, um, then I think they really need to have a look at how they're treating their supporter base. And again, it smacks of customers, it smacks of agitators, it smacks of all those words that we heard a few years ago from the previous regime that we were promised was going to be replaced by a more proactive uh, and a more inclusive regime. And it certainly doesn't feel like that at, at the moment. And I would say to Andrew Fagan and Ian Shuttleworth down there that even if everything that we're saying is a big load of shit, the fact that this is how we feel as a supporter base means that they have messed up and they need to address it. Well, well my, my nomination was actually going to be the way that they tried to manipulate it. By They, they released that information regarding Crouch and then, what is it, at least five minutes later, there was the big splashy thing, oh, Fogarty signed on. It's like you've been hanging on to that lot. For how long? Yeah. Waiting for something shit to release so you can then release that. They've done this before. We see it. It's such an obvious pattern. Yeah. You're and, right, Nikki. You're yeah. right. And and look, we deserve and expect it better from um, Rashido and Fags and those blokes. And they're all good people, don't get me wrong. 
and we might be barking up the wrong tree with some of the stuff that we're saying. But the only reason no, we're, we're bar- well, the only reason we're barking, Macca, is because something smells and because the club yeah. is being disingenuous. So well, it smells like shit, and it looks like shit. It is shit. Well, as I said, the message to the club from us and certainly from a lot of people that I've spoken to and a lot of people that listen to this podcast and a lot of people that that, uh, read Big Footy is that even if we're wrong, we're still right because we're feeling this way. This is how the club is making us feel as a supporter base. So they need to address it. Something needs to change down there because the path that they've gone down is not working. Well, I think that what what you're nominating wins because it includes Burton, it includes the uh, so-called geniuses who provide our sporting pro- our fitness program, uh, and it includes the people that are covering it up, what's really happening. So, uh, yeah. And I'm going to take this further, Macca, because one of the reasons I might have sounded a bit distracted um, early in the cast is because I was receiving a number of text messages from our good mate Peter, uh, who joins us on Tuesday Night Live. And the content of those text messages and the information that he's privy to that he'll be revealing on Tuesday night on Tuesday Night Live is going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind. So everyone that's listening, um, tell your mates, your crow-supporting mates, uh, and make sure you tune in on Tuesday night because what Pete's got is a terrible indictment on this footy club. Geez, you you said enough to get me to come back Tuesday night. Sorry, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, I, I hate to end it on that note, but like, enough's enough. And, you know, we, we love the club and we've had a good relationship with the club and hopefully we'll continue to have a good relationship with the club. But... Um, you know, uh, we we are a podcast for the fans, by the fans, and I think it's legitimate of us to raise concerns and to air concerns when they're present. Yep. And there's certainly some shit going on at the moment. Well, that, look, the club has created it, this image, not us. Exactly, we haven't created. We have not created, created anything. All we do is we, we sit here like bloody vegetables and we get fed information by the club and then we get fed information by people out there who are closer to the scene or close to the scene and know that what's being said is bullshit and they're the ones that nominate it. And then we think, well, who's talking bullshit? But then when the actual deeds are done and somebody like Crouch then goes under the knife and he was never going to go under the knife and he was going to play in two or three weeks and all that sort of shit, then we realise who really is talking the bullshit. And also then bloody Burton coming out on radio and saying he defended... You're offended, mate. You're offended. We're bloody absolutely, absolutely offended by you stuffing up the whole year for us as supporters. We can't. We pay our money, we support the club, and you just stuff it up, and then you get offended. Well, F off. Um, club gets it. <laughs> and on that note, because Pete uh, Macca made me go through my outro music twice then. <laughs> Sorry about that, mate. <laughs> We better call it. (laughs) We better. No, love your passion, mate, as always. And same with you, Nick. Uh, Look, we'll call it a night there. Uh, Don't forget, tune in on Tuesday night. It's going to be a massive night. Uh, Tweet us on AFL Crowcast, Facebook AFL Crowcast. Listen in on demand anytime, AFLCrowcast.com. Give us a rating on iTunes if that's where you listen. Thanks, everyone, in the chat. Thanks, Macca and Nikki. Farewell. Farewell.
Not all. Yeah, not all.